Welcome to International Podcast Month, or IPM. IPM 2019 is brought to you by our Indiegogo producers, Richard Kreutz-Landry, Robert Anderson, The Drinking and Screaming Podcast, The Ostium Network, Damian Sidlow, Max Kasparek, Aaron Keon, Kyle Decker, Rocky Lee, Ryan Bolter, and Neon Green Tiger. A very special thank you to all of our Indiegogo supporters and to the IPM organizational team. And now, on to the episode. A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. The Flight Risk Podcast is a Star Wars actual play crime dramedy set during the Old Republic era, where an eccentric group of mercenaries are thrust into the dark and violent world of organized crime. As agents of an enigmatic count, they traverse the Outer Rim and attempt to not only survive, but to find their destinies without losing what's left of their souls. Subscribe at flightrisk.simplecast.fm. It's more like she's going to cut in front of you in the lunch line (laughs) and pretend nothing happened. (laughs) Writing Alchemy is a storytelling podcast that centers intersectional characters, including a fairy tale series that combines humor and magic with serious topics, and a tabletop role-playing series about the adventures of disabled and mentally diverse heroes. Check out Writing Alchemy at writingalchemy.net or subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play. In a world where there are hundreds of actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcasts, Tavern Tales is one of them. But if you're a fan of humor, great exposition, and module play, come check out our adventures as we work our way through the tales of the yawning portal and occasionally a dungeon in a box. Every month we also step back from the table to let our junior crew sit down to tell their story on Tavern Tales Junior. So swing by and grab a seat at the bar as we present Tavern Tales weekly wherever podcasts can be found. Even when the sun broke, we still worshipped it as our god. Even when it died, we trusted its ministers to guide us. When we learned we walked atop buried lies and beneath a hidden oppressor, we finally had enough. Now it is the time to storm the sun and take back what was stolen. Stories of a Broken Sun is an actual play anthology where diverse voices play to find out what happens in every corner of an original world. Hi, I'm Kyle, and let me take a moment to introduce myself and what you're listening to today. I am the Dungeon Master, host, editor, producer of Tavern Tales, a weekly Dungeons & Dragons audio podcast that comes out wherever podcasts can be found on Wednesdays. And then every other week on Tuesdays, I am also the Dungeon Master of Tavern Tales Jr., a youthful Dungeons and Dragons game where I am the Dungeon Master and my supporting players are five children, my two personal humans and three of their dear friends who I just alter their brain capacity by introducing them to new and wonderful things in the patterns of Dungeons and Dragons. Every Friday, I also am the Dungeon Master and producer for Morty's Devils, an ongoing Twitch stream. It is 
a wonderful Dungeons and Dragons three-hour adventure that takes old 1980s and 90s and 70s TV shows, ad- adventure dramedies like MacGyver and A-Team and Charlie's Angels, and sets them in the world of Dungeons and Dragons for a team of three tieflings every week to try to solve the problems therein. It's great campy fun, and we're constantly on stream having a great time. Hope you check it out. And hi, I'm Toby Hillmeyer, and I help out with the podcast Writing Alchemy. Right now, I sometimes am a player on the Unfamiliar Heroes series, where people with disabilities play heroes with disabilities in tabletop role-playing games. Right now, they're just wrapping up the adventure of the Albert Reintroduction Project, which is a fascinating story that I'd highly recommend. Also, I have put together my own one-woman play called Fallen Star about a trans superhero turned villain who tries to take over the world and occasionally perform that at colleges around the country. During the day, I work at Gender Justice League and am right now getting prepared to put on Trans Pride Seattle, uh, which we like to call just a, a small little gathering with uh, 15,000 of our closest friends. I'm really excited to be here today and can't wait to play this game. Hi, everyone. I'm Keegers, uh, also known as Colleen, and be a space cat online at various different websites. I am a player on the Stories of a Broken Sun, previously called Splinters of a Broken Sun podcast, and currently we're playing a different section called Specters of a Broken Sun. And yes, that is all confusing. But anyway, I've played Keva in the past, and I now play CD. First season, we played Fate. Now we're on our second season. We're playing Scum and Villainy. You can tune in and enjoy our wonderful little sci-fi podcast with an original setting and original story. And yeah, you can just find me anywhere, like Twitter, at Be a Space Cat, and that's that's me. And to round it all out, uh, my name's Peter Grelly. I'm currently a character called Grivondola on the podcast Flight Risk. And other than that, I'm a designer for RPG casts. I am here and for the IPM event that you're now listening to. I really don't have much else to say, except uh, I'm excited to play this very interesting take on Dungeons and Dragons. Which segues really well to what are we doing here today? Well, Today's adventure is a module I wrote myself called The Dungeon, where the players actually pick up a monster from the monster's manual and play that instead of a character class from the player's handbook. This dungeon is controlled by a lich who has not been seen of late and now some strange things are happening in the dungeon or office as a result. Gruel, the ogre mage kind of general manager of the dungeon, has gotten very secretive, and several other departments and employees have commented on strange goings on. The goblins, kobolds, and troglodytes on the upper levels have all reported a massive increase in hero infestation and are requesting increased support. Areas of the dungeon that have seen little activity of late are suddenly very busy, and a few very busy locations have suddenly seen very little heroic encroachment. And as we dive down into the dungeon itself, this great old cathedral of a forgotten age sunk beneath the sands of a distant desert, 
probably too close to civilization and therefore hero incursion than it should be, we focus on our three main characters of this particular story. Keekers, why don't you tell us a little bit about your character, who they are, what role do they have in the dungeon, and how long have you been working there? Hi, yes, I am playing a Hydra with five heads, often referred to as the Susan, which is an acronym for all the names of the separate heads. And it stands for Stephanie, Eunice, with a U, Samantha, Elizabeth, and Nellie. They work at the call center slash help desk area of this dungeon office. They've been working there for a while nobody knows exactly how long but it's been at least 10 years the susan is in her cave she's off shift right now settling in near your lake and things are looking really good normally but right now you're in the middle of a fight with a heroic paladin-led group. This paladin is shouting out catechisms to their god. Toby, Peter, do you happen to know any of those catechisms that this paladin might be spewing? I would say the paladin comes up and is just yelling out, the light shall light up everything from the dark to the light. (laughs) Nice. I'm assuming a big lantern jaw. Oh, yes. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. I like it. And what do they say, Pete? I would say in the middle of like that, when he's running out of breath and can't necessarily say that mouthful, he might just say something simpler like, the light abjures you. <laughs> Cast thee from the light. When he runs out of breath, you know. Yeah. I am the light. Yeah, he must be a paladin of Palor. Constantly mm-hmm. screaming Paylor's name and how awesome he is and just how he is the greatest and no one can defy his might and power and splendor. And he cuts off one of your heads, the Susan, Ooh. which which head gets cut off. He just uses a regular sword, too. So yeah, all too soon, two new heads will be sprouting forth yeah. from... What, who used to be the Susan. Yeah, oh gosh, I just wanted to double check how much damage that is. That's 25 points of damage or more. Gosh, it's hard to decide which head I want to get rid of. Well, while you think about which head it is, what do you do to not the paladin? There is a rogue creeping up on your fright flank. Uh, what does the Susan do? How, uh, how does she, this Hydra, eviscerate this enemy we are faced with right now? And I figured out which head. It was Eunice. So that's not good. Also, that means no more refilled candy dishes unless uh, another head grows back that uh will take up that job well i'm pretty sure that i guess i have a multi-attack where each one of my heads goes in to bite his head off retribution so you're attacking the rogue that's near your flank creeping up on you how do you attack what do you do to this rogue how do you eviscerate it i think that the susan is Smarter enough to know not to go in from the side where the weapon can be more easily jammed, but from the top. So the Susan moves its heads around on its long neck above this rogue and kind of goes down like a claw of a claw machine 
and grabs that rogue's head. Well, not each head grabbing the rogue's head. How, like, you've got all five. How many heads are involved in this this attack? All four of them? They each go in for a bite, so. All right. I don't know which one actually gets the head. An arm, an arm, and a leg. And yeah. you just rip this rogue into several pieces as the two new heads sprout forth from your from their necks and they grow out. The wizard on your left encroaches too close. How, how do you kill this wizard? I basically only have bite attacks. I want people to know this. All I have are bites. I think two of the heads, Stephanie and Samantha, go in again and kind of go from from either side of him or them and kind of go like right at the arm, out the sockets, like the shoulders to kind of grip them on either side. Can't cast spells. Toby, the <laughs> wizard was about to cast a spell. What is the spell like? What are the the what are the somatic verbal components of this spell that does not get cast because their arms get ripped off? Yes. Yeah, so the wizard starts to mumble, and you're not able to quite hear it, but then slowly gets louder and louder until you you hear the wizard say, "And the." acid arrow shall fly and then it doesn't (laughs) just fizzles it falls to the ground and boils up in its own acid you've killed the two in front of you this paladin stands alone he says alone i came into the world alone you shall leave it hydra i shall be your death and he charges at you roll to hit how many attacks does the susan get in an average round Oh, if I have six heads now, then I get six bites. Wow. Okay, I got a nine. And you need to get a 16. So just roll it five times and tell me if you got 16s at all as you go up against this this paladin. 41 with the damage. Oh, you've already done the damage as well? Yeah. Okay, how did you do your critical attack damage? Did you roll the dice twice or just double whatever you got? 49 points of damage. Yes, in one round of combat with your six heads, you do 49 points of damage. This Hydra is the formerly the Susan, now some other new conglomerate name, no doubt, is a terrible beast and is a high-end level employee of the dungeon. And you are being attacked in your own home. This is not a common occurrence for your character, Keekers. As you rend and rip the breastplate right off of this paladin and start to go to town on him, what does uh, some of the other heads say while one gorges upon the flesh? Now be careful, girls. Don't eat too many. I don't want it to go all, go all the way to my hips. <laughs> That's just wonderful. But but the light. I'll go towards the light, says the paladin as he dies. We cut scene. We shift perspectives as we open on Peter. Peter, why don't you tell us a bit about your character, who they are, what role they have in the dungeon, and how long have they been employed here? I'm playing Craig Williams. He's currently kind of like a office filing clerk 
clerical duties kind of thing. He is a salamander. So for those who don't know what that is, it's a very large snake-like creature, but with the upper portion of a humanoid. Two arms, um, a face, but his scales are all like reds and yellows and oranges and purples and all of these like sort of kind of like the whiskers you see on some fish that those kinds of like streaming sort of things he looks very wild yeah he's he's basically a filing clerk uh he's been with the company for maybe five years originally a guard had a bit of an accident they put him on light duties and for those of you know who what salamanders are not exactly a great idea to make him a filing clerk and i guess that covers everything who he is his name how long he's been with the company He's just gotten off shift. Where does he call home? What are his apartments like here? That, that usually, I mean, sometimes they get raided by heroes as well. So where does this salamander call home in the dungeon? Well, considering he's snake-like, his apartment's probably pretty nice and warm, but the actual entrance might be a little bit higher up, something that he can actually slither up into. But considering he's a giant snake man, very much a bachelor pad. <laughs> So he's all, he's done work. He's going to his bachelor pad type thing. Whatever he considers a couch, probably crack open a beer, put the game on, maybe. <laughs> okay, there are individuals raiding your home right now. Your nest to one side with your salamander eggs in it that are spent at least a couple of decades in their process of hardening. You're hoping they don't hatch. Well, I don't know if you're hoping they don't hatch anytime soon or if you're hoping they hatch soon. I don't know how Craig feels about his eggs, but nonetheless, <laughs> the eggs are there. Craig's girlfriend has long since left him and left the eggs because that's just how salamander ladies like it. So, you're in your bachelor pad, but as you creep up, you hear the sound of voices in common, in human. They're speaking to each other, and one of the voices is a male voice, and he says, Careful, Frostina, I think those are salamander eggs. And the woman's voice, cold and haughty, replies with, What, Keekers? All the better to eat. <laughs> Oh my, okay. <laughs> I mean, if you if you know what salamander eggs are like, that's that's not good. <laughs> yeah, no. Frostina, are you okay? Says the guy's voice. <laughs> am I just about to go through the tunnel door? Or yeah, am you're, I literally you're slithering up right or whatever now? it is. Yeah, you're just about to enter your head so in the I doorway. Yeah. Does he specifically hear that or just hears voices? Oh, he hears the whole thing. He hears, he hears that conversation that. very clearly. He looks at the camera and says, <sighs> Good thing I brought my beat stick. You see the spear from off frame come into the frame of the oh, camera. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> the Frostina is standing there with one of your eggs. The human male has his back to you. Toby, what does this person look like? He is old and and small like very small for a human maybe only about four and a half feet but definitely taking very good care as he's moving through this area he's got a lot of of robes on and a hat that goes up into a curly cue i love it he's probably a half halfling i think why he's so so tall for a halfling so short for a human but he's very much a um spellcaster yes what do you do to this individual peter well i mean i'm gonna do what salamanders do <laughs> so uh i get into the room i see the man handling the eggs and i'm like guys those are basically just rocks and then he just kind of looks he's like all right 
And he like slithers like pretty lazily along. He's like, cause he, he's a guard. He was a guard. He's, he's had to, <laughs> he's had to fight people off normally when, you know, the office was working properly. Yeah. So he goes up and kind of like lazily dodges and then turns around real quick and whips the dude with his tail. Oh my. So I'm going to go ahead and make, I get to make two attacks, one with my tail. So first one I'm going to make with my tail. Just describe how you kill this guy. You can, oh, you can sure. fight the actual combatant, which is the sure. sorceress okay. shortly. So the way it normally works is goes up, you attack with the tail. Yeah. If I succeed, I grapple him as well as doing damage. Yes. And then when I've grappled him with my tail and I've hurt him, I then take my spear and I basically auto hit again with yes. my spear and I just like put it through his chest. <laughs> so you put it through his chest or do you kebab him? No, yeah, no, I just like, like I've, I've got him basically like perfectly poised because I've got him grappled. Yep. So I just literally just plunge it through his sternum. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Um, what, you know, he, he, he doesn't actually get a chance to say anything other than like, I knew this was a bad choice and dies. And you're left with Frostina, who stands there and gives you a really cold look and a cold shoulder, and she throws the egg down, and she begins to cast Ice Storm in your bachelor pad. Really quick question. Is this Queen Frostine from, like, Candyland? This is Frostina, the sorceress of ice magic. She sounds like a character from uh, He-Man. No, that's possible, nope, too. No, not that. I mean, both of those things are in my childhood, so it's yeah. possible I'm drawing upon that to, you know, give you this color today. But no, Frostina awesome. is an, awesome. uh, a horrible ice sorceress who loves ice so much. Yeah. And some have called her a frigid bitch, but those people are all dead, even if they were right. She, okay. she She's not. She she does like the warm companionship of, a, of another warm body, but... She definitely likes ice spells as her, like, forte. She casts... And also now, apparently, also wants to eat salamander eggs. Apparently. She casts uh, ice storm, and the crackling of ice begins to fall from the roof. Keekers, what is it that she says when she casts ice storm? What are the, what's the verbal component for that? Just let go of those eggs! <laughs> And ice begins to co- form on the roof of your home and fall down upon you, and it lashes you terribly, doing 15 to 20 points of damage, putting out a great amount of the fire. Your fire-ridden head is, you know, the, the flames that you managed to keep in your mullet-type quaff have been reduced to, like, a crew cut like you used to have in your, you know, early guard days when your character yeah. was, you know, cared <laughs> was prim and proper nice <laughs> all right and what do you do to this frost sorceress who is chosen to uh to anger you so so i was trying to um dodge that and like hold the body on my spear above me so i get hit with all i get lashed with all this ice and i like pull the halfling is a halfling right yep yeah i pull the halfling off my spear and i say you came for the fried eggs I came for the popsicle, and I, like, huck the, like, semi-frosty halfling <laughs> at the spellcaster at oh, her. Oh, nice. To, like, distract her so I can cover the distance to get up to her. Cool. Make your attack with the halfling. Okay. I'll use my strength, because I guess that's what it'll do. That's an 18 to hit. Yeah, yeah. Definitely beats the armor class of this um, 
poor Frostina. She gets hit with a froze with the broken body of her burning friend and gets taken out. She's lying prone as you cover the distance. You uh, spend another round in the frost and the falling ice, so you take an additional 21 points of damage Oof. as you are... Well, I mean, because it's doubled, right? So yeah. you're taking a ton of damage from this ice. That is the doubled amount. I'm not... You don't have to double that yourself. 21? 21 that time, yep. Okay. I'll take that, but for further reference, yeah. my body is heated. Yes. So it will do things to ice as well. But you are damaged vulnerability to cold in this instance. So that makes sense. Yep. That's fine. Cool. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> not just cool. Yeah. Cold. Cold. <laughs> so I do that, throw the body at her, distract her. She's knocked Cover prone. the distance. Yep. I'm taking all this like brutal frost damage and uh, I'm going to stick with the classics and I'm just going to tail whip grapple and give her the old shish kebab. <laughs> Nice. All right. Yes. Uh, make your attack. Okay. Sure. Well, my tail attack completely misses. Okay. She somehow, as she's reeling, manages to like slip under my tail, I guess. Yeah, I mean, she's Get laying away. prone. Might be hard to have captured her with your tail, too. So. Yep. And then when she slips, I try to follow that up with a spear attack. Okay. I do get a second one. Oh, geez, not much better. 12 to hit. That misses. Oh, fun. Yeah, she climbs to her feet and fires a frost bolt maximized at you. And uh, this one does 30 points of frost damage to you. Right in the chest. Ugh. Ugh. Not gonna lie, lady. You're starting to piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's not looking good. What does he say to the camera? I just wanted a cold beer. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, who are you talking to? <laughs> and what do you do with your attack? I mean, if I get another oh, yeah, it's your round turn. of attacks, oh, then yeah. I'm going to... Let's, uh, let's do this. So, uh, tail attack. Okay, that looks better. That's 17 to hit. Absolutely. You definitely hit her. Fantastic. So, my tail attack does 14 bludgeoning damage. Plus, because I'm all fiery and stuff. You bet. On top of 14 bludgeoning damage, 6 fire damage. Sure. So, 20 in total. Mm -hmm. Plus, she's grappled. And then I'll attack with the spear. So, she's grappled. I did 20 damage. She's DC 14 for her to escape. Now that she's grappled, attack for the spear. 12 again i think that misses did you roll with advantage or not i did not because if they're grappled they they are you have advantage on your attack wonderful i will roll that one more time that's looking better 19 to hit absolutely describe how you kill this person because you've definitely done more than enough damage with your tail wrap and then the spear strike as we show once again that a salamander when fought alone way too challenging for an individual (laughs) sounds good yeah finally surge back to that end of the apartment if you can call it that whip around hit her with my tail it's just like this huge slap it's just like this deafening slap that echoes off of the rocky cave and she's just like kind of you know like she's kind of punch drunk as she's like trying to clear her eyes 
Craig just slams the spear right into her chest. Oh. When she's punch drunk, drunk, does she see stars or birds? She, her head lolls to one side as... Snowflakes. The ice storm ends. The room returns to normal. You're still brutally damaged and injured yes. as you pant over the remains of these two figures who have managed to gain access to your apartment, which has never, ever happened before. And we move to Toby, our last third character in this adventure. So tell us a bit about your character. Who are they? What role do they have in the dungeon? And how long have they been employed here? Yes, yeah, so my character is Maria the Medusa. She actually is very new. She has just landed a prestigious executive internship, but this is her first day. She's under a lot of pressure. She has her mom telling her that she is expected to make it to vice president within two years, but she doesn't even know if that's really possible. Uh, nonetheless, she does not want to disappoint her mom. I love it. What does she look like? So she is especially tall and has all these different snakes for hair. Although normally you might expect a Medusa's hair to be going kind of in every which direction, she has them very neatly tied back and and held into a, a small ponytail going down in the back in her attempts to meet professional standards of the workplace. That is amazing. <laughs> She's wearing a suit with a tie, blazer. Nice. Pinstripe or not? Not pinstripe, no. Is it windows or? No, it's just, it's a solid charcoal. Classy. Great choice. <laughs> You're walking down a hallway. You have an appointment with Gruel. In a few hours, you're just walking down a random hallway backstage. You know, normally this is not accessible by heroes when out of nowhere, three heroes enter the hallway. They espy you and they immediately charge. The, the one in the middle, I'll describe for you in a moment. Peter, what's the one on the left look like? The one on the left is an elf wearing leather armor, but there's all this like branches and leaves and shit tucked in thinking because <laughs> he thinks that's like good camouflage in a dungeon what else not so smart cool I, yeah you don't have to go any further than that i already pictured the elf initially i was like oh a sexy elf in leather armor and then you added the leaves and twigs and i was like because <laughs> he's a wood elf he <laughs> a complete different direction i'm like still sexy <laughs> just like campy all right <laughs> And Kikers, what's the one on the right look like? The one on the right, I guess, is kind of like a more barbarian character. They're wearing a fur tunic and has a very bulbous nose and chin. But they have these really big pecs and bare arm muscles and their shoulders. Like, they're pumped. But they, I think they have s skipped leg day if you too many times the legs are, are, need a little bit more work <laughs> and they carry this big wooden club that has like these cracks like it looks like it's seen better days like it's maybe cracked in one part of the wood and, um, in the grain and it's kind of charred on one <laughs> side I love it 
Okay. Which one of them is petrified immediately, Toby? <laughs> yes, so the uh the elf gets petrified. <laughs> so do the branches and leaves petrify as well, or are they just like this statue with these like branches and crap coming out of it? Absolutely. The whole entirety of them petrifies. Can you describe what happened? Like, what is the pose that they're in when they are petrified? Yeah, so they they kind of startle and turn around to look at me, and they're just like in a runner's stance about to take off, but they're turning around because I came from behind them, and when suddenly they petrify, they just turn to stone, but their weight is all forward, so they just kind of like slump down. <laughs> You can hear them say, this disguise wasn't appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Do do they break apart? Part of them snap or whatnot when they hit the ground? Or is it just slowly enough that they end up perfectly turned to statuary? Yeah, it's, it's pretty solid. So they just kind of like land on their arm and then fall over sideways. Oh my goodness. The skipped leg day barbarian (laughs) starts to charge at you, but trips over their cudgel and their legs are not really capable of keeping up with the top half. And they trip and fall. We'll get to them in a moment as you doubtlessly will kill them with but a look. The third one, though, it'll describe for you this hero that's in the middle. He possesses every kind of magical item known possible. He is riding a magic carpet. He has a shield that glints in the light. He has armor that literally has a tiny little Roomba that rides around on it and cleans his armor for him. There's a flying sword accompanying him. He's wearing a helm of comprehend languages and strung across their back is an instrument of the bards, though it is extremely apparent just by looking at them that they are not actually a bard and he coasts towards you and he says what ho another monster to slay oh no so i'm gonna i'm gonna quickly say oh oh wait i'm sorry that was an accident i i it's can can't you give me a break it's just my first day have at thee uh, he says uh, to the barbarian who's trying to get up what's the barbarian's name toby the barbarian's name is bradley nice have at the Bradley and then Maria shoots a look at the camera no doubt and what does she say when she looks at the camera okay so she looks at the camera and she says well I didn't want to have to do things this way (laughs) I love it and Bradley gets up and tries to hit you with his cudgel. He misses, and what do you do? You don't have to roll dice on that. This is the mook. Uh, how, how does Bradley meet his end or get removed from the dungeon? I pull my hair out of its ponytail, and the snakes kind of like come out in all these different directions and bite at him with a very potent poison. Bradley does not do well with poison. I think he says that to the camera. <laughs> Bradley does not do well with poison. His uh, Scandinavian accent. And he clutches at his at his arm and slumps to the ground and does not ever rise from there again unless something else happens down the road. But now, you have the 
opponent in front of you they have like literally every magical artifact and item that you could possibly have all these wondrous items that don't require attunement and they are there in front of you and their flying sword comes at you to strike you brutally it actually catches you in the arm of your suit and cuts you for a total of 30 hit points mm. Magical damage. Uh, a, a flash of lightning surges from the from the sword uh, when it strikes you. That's what it does. And what do you do now? How do you attack and fight off this hero who seems hell-bent on your destruction? I just get really frustrated at this guy who's not even using his own effort to try and fight me, <laughs> but is just like relying on these extravagant, extremely expensive, expensive items and so i draw my sword and i'm gonna uh try and stab him describe your magic short sword for me (laughs) yes so i i pull the the short sword from its scabbard and it just kind of like is is glowing green and uh it, it has like little droplets of of liquid coming off of it and then i go in for the attack I'm going to get two sword attacks and one snake bite attack. And so the sword attack, the first one is uh, 22, and the second one is a critical failure. Oh, no. (laughs) Gets caught up in the the magic carpet itself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and how does your hair attack do? It's kind of like caught up in this magic carpet that the hero is riding and so i just kind of like yank to pull the whole thing over towards me and once we're in close quarters like five different snakes lash out and uh it's it's another critical failure oh my goodness (laughs) don't let this coward defeat you can't even his own sword. The two of you are now rolling around on top of the magic carpet. <laughs> he says, get off me! Get off me, I say! And the flying sword hits you again, and oh, misses this time, because probably flying carpet. <laughs> so, it's your turn again, what would you like to do? You probably have intention to turn this individual to stone, correct? Mm-hmm. Then, yeah. if you have the intention to do that, I have to have him roll a constitution saving throw. I have failed the constitution saving throw <laughs> with a nat three. Ooh. And so that is by more than five, he was instantly petrified. Well, there's that. I imagine he just turns to stone and the heavy weight of the stone is more than the carpet can bear and everything kind of thunks down to the ground. Yeah, and you have to extricate yourself because you're caught up with him and your your snakes in your hair are entangled in his hair and your arm was looped through his arm and this is not the first time this has happened, Maria. What a mess. That is the end and how we have met our three heroes, our three monsters, who are here in the dungeon today. Your characters are all no doubt shaken by these excursions and these incursions from these heroes. What would the three of you like to do? And let's say that a short time from now, you end up in the staff room, all kind of all there together. 
I'll set the scene. You're in the staff room. There's a couple of round tables with room for people to sit at, but those are generally for humanoid-sized characters. There's also a larger-sized creature area of the staff room. It's central, but lower in the dungeon itself. And there are four gibbering mouthers off in one corner making a racket. And gibbering mouthers don't say palatable and polite things. They say horrible things as their means of conversation with each other. They're an array of different colors, and because they have so many mouths, even though there's four of them, it sounds like 25 people talking. So please imagine that when the three of you encounter each other at the staff room. Craig slithers into the staff room, and uh, he's looking pretty bad. He's pretty, um, pretty banged up and cut, and and you can see you know, he kind of like he notices. I guess if you're already in the room, he notices you and kind of nods, and you notice that he's got this like frozen halfling that he then like applies to his eye, <laughs> his black eye, <laughs> to help like reduce the swelling. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're not gonna believe the day I just had. <laughs> Maria comes in and is about to sit down at one of the smaller tables when she spies Susan and heads over and is and and says, "Oh, great! Finally, a friendly face. How are? Wait, S- San. Um, how are you doing? Oh, today has just been awful. Unfortunately, Ursula got cut off by these annoying uh, adventurers." So now we are the Susan. This is Ursula, and this is Nova. Mmm. And good to to meet the two of you. Likewise. What's up? Susan, you make out that bunch of the hair in Medusa, the the snakes are like annoyed by something in the hair of Maria that looks to be like a, a stone rock or a thin piece of uh, statuary or something that is caught up in Maria's hair. Oh dear, you got something in your hair. Let me help you out there. And uh, the Susan reaches over with these like big claws, but they're kind of like acting like tweezers to go in and pinch this. Do you just use one of your mouths? However, We're all stakes here. Yeah, if you want to imagine that this gigantuan serpent with legs can't use their front legs, then we can imagine that it's two teeth acting as tweezers to extricate this piece (laughs) of rock out of Maria's hair. One of the heads of of this hydra comes looming in on you, Maria, and pulls forth a finger from the uh, poor guy you got entangled with on the magic carpet. Ah, uh, thanks. So, yeah, I I need to redo my hair. Funniest thing. Some people were waiting in my apartment. <clears throat> really? I I thought they didn't get this far down. Yeah, is it me or is it is it getting worse? I was just in a back passageway. They're they're supposed to be secret when three of them attacked me. <sighs> if I was still on guard duty, this wouldn't have happened. I think we're going to have to file a formal complaint and send it to the higher-ups about this. I haven't even gotten a chance to meet the higher-ups. It's, you know, I, I, I don't even know what my job is yet. 
Oh, you'll love them, Maria. Really nice people. Monsters. Whatever. The Susan has a confessional being like, I'm so happy that Maria got an internship here at the wor- at the workplace. She's good people. And then we go back. I don't know if paperwork's gonna really fix this, guys. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the, before you know it, one day you show up at your place and they'll get you. Oh, oh my goodness, Craig, did something happen to one of your eggs? Oh, the eggs are fine. They're like rocks. <laughs> They're trying to... Uh, couple... Well, and he like kind of pulls the halfling off his face and like the head kind of dangles back a bit. This thing and some robed person were hanging out. She liked throwing around a lot of frost, but uh, they wanted to eat them? How do you eat rocks? I just... Uh, and he like puts the halfling back on his face. Oh dear, what some <laughs> sort of delusional, demented mind would think of the idea of eating salamander eggs? Right? I mean, when they hatch, it's usually they eat you, so... I don't know... Oh, that's just the way it is with children. Yeah, right. But that Ugh. reminds me, have you finally started to decide on a theme for the nursery? Well, I mean, rocks is pretty good. I had the idea, maybe you should do a Nine Hells-themed nursery. Yeah, it'd be pretty warm for them, I guess, but... Uh, look at the neighborhood. <laughs> it's going to hell itself. Yes, this definitely is not run with the efficiency that I was led to believe. You're telling me, sister. I mean, we went through some some classic exercises and experiments at the Underdark University where I got my master's in dungeon administration. And this is not supposed to happen. I think there'd be some sort of buffer zone between us and, well, you know the front end of the business, but if I, did, if I wasn't carrying my spear with me, I don't know what was going to happen. But see, we need to file the paperwork, even if it doesn't help. That if something bad happens, they'll see that we complained about it before, and they'll have to compensate. Yes, documentation is essential. I've definitely learned that as well. If there's ever a problem, you know, you need to write everything down. So maybe that's what we should start with. Look, I'm... I'm not one for paperwork, and frankly, documentation or not, it's not like the big guy shows up around here anymore anyways. Honestly, I think we should just get round up a few people and start a neighborhood watch. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I love it. We totally should. A skeleton is tugging or tapping on the Hydra's front foreleg. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. What excuse is me, it? Susan. Hi, it's me, George. Um, just wanted to remind you of um, our concert coming coming up. The the, the grinning skulls. You 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 remember my band? Shut up, um, George. I don't want to hear about your stupid but, music. But it it we we have a concert. We we really. I mean, you you should come. Um, this isn't... George, uh, uh, how many it, times have I told you it's no but, good? I don't want to listen to your music. 
Yeah, yeah, but I, it's a big hush-hush event for, like, the boss man himself, and I, I'm i not supposed to tell anyone about the, the, the concert, but I just, I mean, we're just such big fans of you, the Susan. Uh, the Susan primps a little bit after hearing that, um, but <laughs> they're happy to take the compliment. Wait a minute, so are you saying at this concert would be a chance to, to meet up with our, our main boss? I don't know nothing about a concert. Who are you? This is my friend, I, I'm Maria. Maria. She's a new oh. intern here. Okay. Well, I was conversing with my friend, the Susan here, and I didn't... I, sorry. I mean, overhearing it all. He rolls his head. I mean, he's just a skeleton, <laughs> so I'm trying to picture how, how you can understand that you roll. He just turns and looks at the camera and, be, and goes like, no people, eh? I'll, I'll tell you later. He says to the Susan and kind of sidles away. And it's at this point as well that there is a large slurp at the door of the staff room as um, Gelatinous Cube makes its way into the staff room and starts cleaning the tables and pulling the garbage out and sucking the garbage can literally into itself and starts to make its way out of here. And uh, one of the gibbering mouthers is like, hey, watch yourself there, Gooding Jr. Because it's a gelatinous <laughs> cube Gooding Jr. <laughs> I was going to call it something else as an improv, but that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty great. I, I made that one up on the spot. So let's, uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, the janitor comes in and cleans up some of the stuff and the three of you are left in the room. Uh, more or less alone at this point, the skeleton seems to have sidled away after he tried to convince the Susan to join him at his concert. I think I should probably try to to meet up with Gruel at some point. Can you point me to to their office? I can totally do that. I know where it is. I run the help desk and the call desk, dear. So it's part of my job. We just have to go up the 12 flights of stairs or is it down probably down yeah. are your heads now disagreeing with <laughs> themselves <laughs> they're arguing how many flights of stairs it is no i think that it's actually 12 flights of stairs downward no i'm pretty sure that it's 13 flights of stairs upward Ac- this goes on for a little bit of time here before finally uh, maria extricates herself from the conversation that now the susan is having with herself and makes your way to Gruel. Before we do the conversation with Gruel, one of the individuals in the mailroom, Peter, who works mm. in the mailroom, they're good friends of yours. They like to light one up with you every now and again. <laughs> his, his name is Blaze. Oh, he could be a magman. <laughs> that seems like something that a salamander would hang out with. Yeah, except he'd also burn up all the mail. Yeah, that. Yep, that happens. Yeah, sure. Magman. Yeah. Blaze. Yeah. Calm Blaze. He pulls you aside in the staff room itself after the Susan and Maria have moved on, and he says, he's like, dude, Craig, you're in, like, filing now, right? Like, paperwork and stuff? <sighs> he still winces. Blaze, I've told you, like, how many times? <laughs> Man, seriously, you gotta lay off the jazz cabbage when you're working. Yeah, I'm in filing. What's what's up? Like, 
So, like, all these weird packages have been arriving in the mailroom. Like, just strange stuff that I'd never seen before. Uh, it's it's for the, the lich himself, but Gorok has been taking them places and, you know, using his stupid skellies and whites and... St- oh, man, I hate that guy. It's just so serious all the time, you know? Like, I don't get it. Yeah, that guy's cruising for a bruising. If, you know, dead flesh could bruise anymore. Uh, so, why is he... T- is he even telling you? No, no, I'm, I... It's just, like, I've got all this new paperwork for these weird packages, and I don't have a place to put that stuff, so I don't know what to do with it, and I know, like, you're in filing now, and you deal with paper, so, like... Does anyone know you got the packages for the Lich, or is it just Gorok? Yeah, we've got one in the mailroom now, um, but there's been like five others that Gorok already picked up. You want to help or no? Craig kind of looks around. The boss man isn't anywhere to be found, and Gorok thinks he can run the damn place. No, we're not going to let him have this. Let's open this thing up. Right, can you tell everyone who's at home listening who Gorok is? Can you turn to the camera or do a confessional about Gorok? Because the audience, they don't, they've never heard this name before. We've heard the boss man, Lich, and Gruel, but we don't know who Gorok is. Office background, Venetian blinds. Craig is just sitting there staring at the camera. Gorok's just, if you meet one undead, you've, made, you've met them all. Gorok's just this guy who shows up. You know, he's on his second life, thinks, oh, the boss man is, you know, a bender of life and death. I guess so am I. And so all these undead guys think that they're all running together in an exclusive club. Gorok's just some trumped-up little manager. Man, the Skellies are okay, but anything above Skeleton or Zombie, don't trust those guys. Just just don't trust those guys. Back to uh, Mailroom. No. We're not going to let Gorok just run the place while the boss man's around. The guy's barely above us. It's not like he's been promoted or something. He's just trying to carve up territory and take it for himself. And if we let that guy just take it, he's just going to... People are just going to think he's the de facto leader anyways. I'm not going to let that happen. That guy... That guy grinds my gears. Let's open this thing up and figure out what he's been up to. Toast, man. You got any of that... Do you call it jazz cabbage? That sounds delightful. <sighs> it's it's weed, Blaze. Oh, just- yeah. No, I got lots of that. You want a hit? And that's where we cut because you guys leave the staff room. It is time for the meeting with Gruel Maria. You're outside of his office. There's a little bench there for people to sit at. There's no one else in the hallway but yourself. The light um, above you, the fluorescent lights flicker once all the way down the hall in a stream flicker. And then they go right back up to full, you know, normal, annoying radiance. I kind of look around and and see if I can detect anything that might have caused that, but then just kind of go on and and keep waiting, ignoring it. 
Oh, the door opens very soon after the flickering occurs, and there he is, the ogre mage general manager of the dungeon himself, Gruel. He is wearing his standard Oni-style green clothes. His eyes have a wicked-looking glimmer of dark intelligence in them. He is thick-chested with giant ham-fisted hands, and one of them is clutching an old gnarled driftwood staff, and he says, Maria, welcome. Come in. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you join the ranks. <laughs> yes, so um, before I got here, people weren't especially clear with what exactly it, it is I would be doing. Well, given your credentials and your glowing resume, literally it glowed, I've uh, <laughs> taken it upon myself to hire you as our Lich Lord's executive assistant. Proper oh. commensary benefits and whatnot are yours to be had. Well, that would be wonderful. Excellent. Do you have any questions? As an assistant, what would I be doing just, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis? You'll be attending to our Lord's needs and filing and other paperwork and any purchases he needs to acquire speaking with um, the mail room to pick up any objects he may need and generally taking care of his everyday wishes. Well, you know, I definitely was hoping to get an advanced position and this sounds like it'll work out just fine. Excellent. Now, of course, I will need you to report to me about any of the less sundry things that our Lord is looking for. You can do that, right? Yeah, so if if there's anything that seems important that I need to get, I, I would definitely come to you first. I think you'd probably be the best in helping me find that. You're wonderful, Maria. <laughs> well, then there's just the order of the paperwork and squaring away apartments for you. You don't mind the seventh level, do you? You know, I, I, I was hoping for something at least the ninth level or lower. Do you think maybe we could work that out? Are you referring to salary or are you referring to your apartments? The apartments. Really have to speak with HR about deeming levels of salary being the same order as apartments. <laughs> but yes, I, I can fit you in. Um, we'll have to remove one of the previous occupants, but I don't think that that will be problematic. Excellent. Well, um, I will go ahead and work on this paperwork then. Excellent. Do let me know anything that is going on that is untowards with our lord, if you don't mind. Certainly. And so I, given that it's your first day and you are relatively inexperienced with our lord's needs, please just inform me on everything that he is up to. Sure, I can definitely do that. You know, it's it's just, you know, part of job training, we'll call it. Yes. Once you're done with the paperwork and you head down to the ninth level, you'll need to have uh, the 
Hydra. I don't know what name they're going by now. Usually it's Susan. If you could let the Susan know that you'll be taking her apartments, that would be appreciated. <laughs> oh, okay, yes. Uh, I, I'm already acquainted, so I should be able to do that. I believe we have a lagoon opening on the 14th level that might be palatable for the beast. I will let her know. Excellent. If you don't mind, I have uh, something to oversee in the mail room. Good day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he makes to leave. Did you wish to say anything else or look to the camera at all? I look to the camera and I'm just like, well, this is going to be a little bit difficult. I have one friend here so far and I don't want to piss her off. But uh, I, I can't back down or else that would look weak. <laughs> I love it. We go to the mail room where Peter, your Craig Salamander, and the Magman Blaze are looking at a package. It's like three feet by three feet, and it has not been opened as of yet. It has all of the, you know, the postage stamps and all of the twine and whatnot that you would expect to see in a package that has come from uh, a different dungeon or been sent in from somewhere else. How deep is it? said three feet by three feet yeah three feet by three feet by three feet it's a cube oh it's a cube oh that's that's interesting craig's just kind of eyeing this for out of his one eye he's just kind of eyeing this thing blaze is toking up he elbows blaze what do you think's in it i don't know i don't know he usually just takes them like in the package are they all this size gorok when you know when you took them, are they all this size? Or are they different? Yeah, man, they're like all the same. Same stupid point. Is it heavy? I don't know. Never picked it up. Craig puts his arms around it. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely, it's quite heavy. Are they shipping bricks or something? <laughs> I thought you didn't say shipping. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Blaze. <laughs> we got to figure out what Gorok's up to. Give me that knife. All right, man. Craig just, like, kind of looks around, looks over his shoulder, and then just, like, slowly starts lacerating the uh, bits of tape. There's a voice from behind you, and it says, I don't think that's addressed to you, is it? Craig stops. You turn and see Gruel, not Gorok, standing there. That's true. It isn't. However, we've been... uh, Noticing these packages have been going missing. People who shouldn't be taking them are taking them. We wanted to uh, make sure something wasn't afoot. You don't say. Blaze, be gone. The magman scurries off. Craig, I didn't expect this sort of industriousness from you. Well, normally I um, don't overstep my bounds. You know, I'm... Came up from the guards, but I had a bad feeling this time. I see, Craig. Perhaps I've mistaken you. I always assumed that you were a backbencher, content to play your games and do your shift work. But if you're truly interested in what's going on here... Uh, Craig's obviously making, like, a tortured look on his face. (laughs) He's just like, he does not want to be failing upwards right now. (laughs) (laughs) That is definitely the case. Uh, mm, Well, you 
you got me, sir. I, um... Perhaps well, I a thought... promotion is in order. I mean, well, um... I'm, I'm not going to tell you how to do your job, obviously. Excellent. Mm, yeah. What's in the box, Craig? I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> he just nods. All right. If you'd like to know. And uh, pulling the, the knife back out from, I don't know, wherever the hell Craig would hide. So maybe, a, I don't know. Something. Well, you got it from Blaze in the first place. Maybe he just puts yeah. it back down on the desk. Yeah, just like, pull. it's like stabbed into the wooden table. And he like pulls it out and he starts like slicing open the tape and cutting the twine and neatly pulls back the parchment. Perfect. The box opens as a wooden box and lifts the lid, and inside is a strange-looking artifact or statue. Toby, would you like to describe it for us? Okay, so this this artifact is kind of um, a twisting form that, that looks like a, a hand that is kind of like wrapped with its fingers elongated and tangled up between each other. And right nestled in the middle of the fingers is a bright red gem. Do you know what that is, Craig? Never seen that before. A pity. Looks to be the hand of... Give me a a crazy word, Keekers. I hate it because the first thing that popped into my head is Tardis. I don't think we can use Tardis. Tardis? Sure, let's do that. The hand of Tardis. Five of them. Right. Well, how many of these packages have arrived here, Craig? My colleague, as he, like, Craig waves to the door that Blaze just (laughs) exited, informed me that four of these have already shown up, and they were all promptly picked up. He looks, like, over his shoulders. Sounds like Gorok the Graveless picked them up. The green skin of this Oni ogre mage pales to a lighter shade of green. And he says, are you saying that all five of the hands of Taradis are here in our dungeon? Yes, and four of them have been absconded. There are things I must do at once. Find Gorok, Craig. Find out what he's up to. I'd love to. And, you know, like classic villain style, he turns, his cape swishes behind him, <laughs> and he, like, f- leaves the scene really mellow, like, way too melodramatically. Yeah. Does he take the, uh, he takes the other one, though? Right? He doesn't even touch the hand. Oof. Does organ music play in the background as he leaves? Yes. Phantom of the Opera plays dun, dun, quietly dun, 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 music dun, dun, of the night. Oh, I was gonna go with... Da, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's more like music of the night as he swirls away. Craig puts the lid back on the crate and picks it up and under one arm grabs a spear the other. Awesome, you take it with you? Oh hell yeah. Love it. Okay, perfect. Maria, where are you at? I am um heading out to try and find Susan. Do you find Susan, Susan? Yes. Susan, I finally got to sit down um, with Gruel, and we had a very af- effective conversation. Oh, that's great news, dear. I'm so happy to hear about it. 
It's good to hear that your first day is going well. Yes, I get to be an assistant uh, directly to the, the lich himself. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> oh, and even while we were talking, I couldn't help but notice that last time I was over at, at your place and we were watching uh, Cooking with the Countess, that your apartment seems to be relatively small for someone of your size, and I was wondering if you might be interested in something bigger. A few of the Susan's heads, we'll say about three, look affronted about this implication <laughs> that the Susan is big. <laughs> <laughs> unintended effect but the main head that does most of the talking samantha in case anyone was wondering is like oh that's real nice of you dear but some of my other heads may not like that they've stephanie has really finally gotten uh contented with the feng shui of the apartment (laughs) oh Oh, and Stephanie well, nods, uh, agreeing with what Samantha is saying. Well, that's that's rather unfortunate. I, I'm sorry. I, I may have mentioned that that uh, your space was was not as large as someone who, with your seniority, should should be having. And and well, Gruel got it in his mind to uh, assign you to the lagoon on on the fourteenth level. <laughs> oh, I see. I was hoping it would be a uh, a happy surprise. It's all right, dear. <laughs> and if the Susan didn't use its four four legs to uh stand and balance with they would be putting one on your shoulder consolingly like it's okay <laughs> but when your head's there but in no instead the tail comes around and pats you consolingly on the shoulder it's all right maria we and she turns to the other heads all understand that you uh were coming from a place of genuine concern for us and i'm sure The lagoon is great, and that we'll get it all set up the way Samantha likes it again, I'm sure. It'll be easier to fit some new things into this larger space. Great. Well, I I would be happy to help you move. Do you think you could be out by tomorrow night? (laughs) Let's speed that up by tonight. I mean might be able to get out a bunch of the stuff, but we're definitely gonna need some help. I have a lot of pottery, and we'll have to make sure that we have someone who knows how to carry this stuff. Because I do not, I, I cannot be taken responsible if someone breaks one of our pieces the conversation goes on from there as, as the Susan delves into the specifics of moving all of her special <laughs> items. And Craig, Pottery. you pass by a little stuck on brochure, the poster sort of thing as you're walking down a hall that says the Grinning Skulls concert tomorrow night at the Lagoon. So Craig's like slithering down the hall and he stops and 
its face like leers towards the wall where this pamphlet's kind of tacked up on a board or something. And he has just has his one eye kind of looking at it, focusing it, because he's got this dead halfling draped over his face. He's got a spear in one hand and the crate in the other. And he kind of like hunches forward and he like really gets his face close up to the pamphlet. Huh. And then he's like still looking at it. And he like fumbling, he puts his spear in the same hand that he's holding the box under his arm. And this squelching noise is coming from off camera. And he like pulls the halfling off his face throws it behind him and it lands inside cube gooding jr and body starts dissolving he's like thanks and he's just staring at the pamphlet (laughs) and he pulls it off the wall (laughs) and he leaves the dissolving halfling as he takes the pamphlet and continues down the hallway gooding jr's like don't mention it where is maria now let's see so we just were talking with susan and Probably I'm I'm with Susan and we're collecting a couple of people who can help with the move. Perfect. While you're doing that, Craig, you finally meet up with Gorok the White. Gorok looks at you. I mean, he is a white. There's not much to describe. It's standard, typical white appearance. He is very gray, though, which you would think. Emaciated skin, pale. Yeah. And he says... <clears throat> Craig, da 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 da. So nice to see you. Da da da. Gorok. That's my name. Don't wear it out. You're uh. Instead of going straight into this, he's like, and Craig's like, so he decides to slither into the. I guess it's a room, like an office, maybe, or uh, maybe a break room, something like that. Slithers in, like Gorok's "Mm." offices. You're looking to uh. Get in with the big guy, right? The big guy? Da, 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 da. The boss, Gorok. Our lich lord himself? <laughs> of course. Da, da. You haven't made any, you know, said otherwise as to the fact that you're looking to climb the ladder, so to speak. One day I will be a director of this place, ta-da, and I will be in charge of important revolutionary things. Ta-da, ta-da, ta-da. Hmm. Interesting, Gorok. And Craig starts, like, slithering around the room, like, kind of circling mm-hmm. Gorok. So my guess is you'd probably want to be on Gruul's good side, too, then, wouldn't you? God, Gruul. General manager doesn't know how to do a thing. Da-da-da, he will be out of here soon enough for all of his backbiting and scheming. You hear that he hired a new executive administrator? Da-da-da-da. Hmm. I heard it was assistant. Still, though, until he's gone, he's certainly an obstacle. Indeed, he is. I would say so, too. You and I are of greater like mind than I thought today. I was just thinking that. However, I just had a really uncomfortable experience in the mailing room with Gruel. You don't say. Ta-da. Something's gone missing. Gruel has been looking for some packages. Do you still have the package under your arm? I do. (laughs) I do. He looks at the package and looks at you quizzically. There is a candy dish on his desk that is filled with teeth. He reaches out one of his skeletal hands, grabs a handful of the teeth, and pops them all into his mouth like popcorn. And while chewing, he says... Interesting. Da, 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 da. Craig's 
like yellow tendrils are like kind of twitch a little bit at like the disgusting behavior he's witnessing. I'm just, I'm just saying, I don't know who's been pulling these uh, packages from the mailing room without checking in with Blaze. But if they're caught with them, Gruel might start doing the axing instead of a ambitious underling doing the axing themselves. Well, Craig, we all know that Gruel's on the outside looking in, da-da-da-da, and the Lich Lord's plans are his plans for sure. Gruel may be looking to supplant our lord. Problem is the fact that Gruel is looking at all. And oh. if he sees what he shouldn't see, it'll be trouble for anyone involved. Fair. That anyway, is very fair. Gotta bring this over to filing. I all believe sorts. that that needs to go to the lagoon. It's just... Nope. Filing. Anyway, you take care and uh, watch out for the ogre mage. Craig, are you not on the Lich Lord's side? Ta-da, ta-da, ta-da. Craig kind of like, just kind of gives this like, this faux look of surprise. Gorok, we all work here. We're all on the Lich Lord's side. Excellent. My directive is very, very clear. To take all of the five statuary and place them in the required places in and amongst mm. the dungeon. Da, 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 da. And that is the fifth one arrived today, I had thought. I'm surprised to see it in your capable hands. Ta-da. He just looks at the crate. No, it's files, Gorok. And I slither out of the room. It needs to go in the lagoon, Craig. Oh, it'll get where it needs to go. Don't worry. Huh. Okay. I'm trying to prompt a response. I'm trying to make him nervous. I'm trying to get him to go off his balance. So I'm trying to make him kind of concerned that Gruel is looking and things like that. Yeah, so it seems like you've said that you're on the Lich Lord's side and you're working with the Lich Lord and not with Gruel. But then with the statuary, it seems like your actions are saying, hey, no, I'm actually with Gruel and you're not getting this fifth piece that you need. All I'm holding is a crate. Yeah. With the hand of Taradis inside it. But does he know that? that uh, well, all he sees is a crate. Yeah, I mean, it's three feet by three feet by three feet, and it has mm. the proper pieces. I mean, if you wanted to just masquerade it, and he did seem to catch on that this was the hand of Taradis that you had in mm. your hands. Okay. So. In general, my idea was to scare him and get him to do something that he shouldn't. Oh, he's definitely scared. There are a bunch of skeletons making their way down the hallway towards you. Oh, cool. They're like, ta-da-da, 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 ta-da, ta-da. <laughs> well, at this point, I've already left the room, so in for a penny, in for a pound. And if I see them coming down one side of the hallway, I'm just going to go down the other. Uh, they're actually converging from several different ways. And okay, there, well, then I'll just not pick very many one. of them. There's five or so. Sure. And they're putting out their hands to try to stop you. And the white <laughs> appears leaning against the doorway. And he says, that needs to go to the lagoon, Craig. Da-da-da. Imperative. Gorok, I'm just doing my job. And as I'm, like, coming up on one of the skeletons, I'm just going to do, like, a really slick maneuver where I just, like, wrap my tail around that one. Yeah, you destroy keep... the skeleton utterly. No, no, I just... don't even destroy... I don't want to destroy it. I just, like, Unfortunately, 
Okay. They don't have but one hit point, so... <laughs> My idea was more going down the hallway with this thing trailing with me. <laughs> That's it. It just crumbles to dust. <laughs> you lightly tap it. I don't have a communication device. <laughs> this would have been better if I'd had like, some sort of way to... And Gruel didn't tell me where he was going. No, he did not. Well, I've got to choose a direction, so... Yeah, one direction leads towards the lagoon. The other direction leads towards the filing room. Which way do you go? So here's what I'm going to do. Just to keep the scene going, or to, to keep things going, I'm going to head to the lagoon, but I'm going to try to do it in a way in which I can lose Gorok. Okay. Because now that he's basically told me, oh, the lagoon's an important place, and Gruul wants me to figure out what's going on, I'm going to go to the place to figure out what's going on. But I'm going to try and lose Gorok so that he doesn't know what the hell I'm doing. Okay, Gorok's like, so you're taking that to the lagoon? I'm going to be super non-committal so he doesn't know what the hell I'm doing. And I'm like, I'm going to go do my job. See ya. <laughs> I'll go to the lagoon, though. Okay, cool. Yeah, you make your way. I mean, he's got so many skellies in around and whatnot. Anytime you pass by a skeleton that's doing something, it stops and follows you for a while. So he basically knows? <sighs> it's... Uh, he- Okay, I was not aware of this when I was trying to fuck with him. <laughs> yeah, he definitely seems to be manager managerial work in regards to skeleton, uh, you know, processes or whatever the job might necessarily Skele- be. Handy. That is really boring and terribly titled. Um, and he's definitely like Dwight from The Office. Nobody likes. Uh, regardless, I will make my way to the lagoon because it sounds like that's where the action's going to be. Tons of action there. But I'm going to screw with the skeletons as much as possible. Okay, we, we get a little cutscene of your character cutting around corridors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like <laughs> office pranking. Anything I can do to to annoy Gorok while I'm doing this, I'm doing it. I take unnecessary photocopies of the Hand of Teradis photocopier. Yeah, perfect. We we cut to the lagoon where the band is setting up. The grinning skulls are setting up to play, and. We have Maria and the Susan arrive with armloads of pottery and personal effects. Craig seems to have arrived at a similar time. There's several other individuals here helping and whatnot. And that's uh, that's where we're at. Well, Craig's going to go straight for Maria and the Susan if he can. You see Craig, the Susan, carrying something that does not belong to you, but it looks like he's helping (laughs) with moving your stuff. So, uh, (laughs) quick question how big is the lagoon is it like just kind of like an area and there's like a room that the susan is moving into in the lagoon or there's some sandy beach around the lagoon and the lagoon itself all right i'm a little bit confused but it's good to see you craig i'm trying to figure this out where am i supposed to live if now they're setting up for this stupid concert they stop as soon as they see the Susan arrive and they hear her voice and the grinning skulls, all their mouths go agape and they look at each other like, what? She came? She's legit here? God! And they all, you know, share that moment with each other. The real question is, why? <laughs> Don't screw this up. <laughs> Craig, like, slithers up to the Susan. I think the show is just temporary. He's like kind of looking around past Susan. Uh, I'm sure once this is all done, it'll be really nice to live. 
They probably just decided to set up the concert here because it was an unused space, but this space is now assigned to you, so you should be welcome to do with it as you please. The Susan is going to, like, look where they're they're setting up. Where are they setting up? Are they, like, setting up on the beach, kind of? <laughs> of course. Okay. Tiki torches. Yeah, the Susan is going to give them, like, six pairs of eyes, like, glaring at them. And then it's like, all right, we're going to move the stuff that can go underwater into the water now. Until the peanut gallery over there clears out. I'm sorry, Maria, but we're not going to be able to set up everything today with this stupid music concert going on. I don't know what we're going to do until these numbskulls get out of here. We're going to have to put what we can put down to the lagoon now. And set everything else up tomorrow. I hope that's okay. Yeah, I guess, um, yeah, we can make that happen. Thank you for being so understanding, dear. And the tail pats Maria on the shoulder again. I want to point out that a bunch of the other heads are carrying these pots or other pottery things, such as a big vase in their mouths. The lid on your crate, Craig, slides off. It seems like just the way you were holding it or whatnot. And, uh, Maria, you can see inside the crate and espy the statuary within. He's, like, fidgeting and it just kind of slides off. And he's kind of, like, looking around and stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to eye it over and then glance over at Craig and say, Huh, I I thought you said you were in filing. What are you doing with this? Uh, Craig, like, looks down and notices the lid's fallen off. Look, I know you're all in the middle of moving. I think we've got a situation. I think this is when the Maria kind of... uh, The Maria. (laughs) Sorry. The Maria. The Susan notices that Craig is holding a open box (sighs) with something that is not the Susan's in it. And is like, and has not caught what Craig has said. Is like, oh my goodness. That's so nice of you, Craig. What a lovely housewarming gift. Uh, Craig, just look straight at the camera. (laughs) 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 But then stops and thinks, yeah, well, you know, this was all really sudden for you. And I thought maybe you need something to really tie the place together. (laughs) The head of Samantha gives an appraising eye to the hand of Tardis and gives a curt nod that it is an acceptable to their aesthetic sense of style. <laughs> but uh, maybe we should put it in the water with everything else. You know, we don't want it to get lost in the jumble, especially with the concert going on. Make sure it's uh, maybe... Tucked away with your things? Oh, of course. If it's waterproof, we can put it in with the other pottery and stuff that is also waterproof. Cool. Well, I'll let you sort this out so that, you know, I'm not being clumsy or putting it somewhere where it shouldn't be. And and as uh, the Susan does that, I, like, 
abruptly grab Maria's arm, and I'm like, no, but seriously, Gruel told me to find out, find Gorok, because he's got four more of those things. Something's going on really badly. I think the executives are making a power play, and I'm caught in the middle of it. Oh, that sounds like an excellent opportunity. How are you planning to play this? Right now, I just don't want to get stabbed in the eyes by Gorok's skeletons. Huh. He's making it sound like he's working for the boss man and he's going to sort of sidestep Gruul. I really think there's going to be, like, an office assassination happening in more ways than one. <laughs> I think I think we're all going to be in the middle of some real shit. Well, Craig, can you tell me, do you know if if this workplace provides benefits? If it's within the health plan, it might be useful to, to talk to a therapist about some of this paranoia. <laughs> Maria... <laughs> I appreciate what you're doing here right now, but we literally work for someone who bends the rules of life and death. This isn't made up. Maria, two things. One, you can definitely detect the smell of jazz cabbage on (laughs) Craig. That might color how you approach him going forward. And two, did you happen to take prophecy arcane history or doomsday foretellings in your studies at the underdark university yeah that was definitely a part of the the coursework good old you you mm-hmm. <laughs> i just imagine like someone wearing that shirt and it looks like the anime like shirt that people wear with the two like little u's that kind of look like u w u yeah yeah. <laughs> oh. In your studies, then, you learned and knew that the Hand of Teradis is a doomsday device, that if all five are arrayed in a particular pattern, in a particular way, with proper ley lines, runes, and whatnot interspersed thereout, and a ritual is undertake at the center of this layout of the Hands of Teradis, then the world will end, or begin, or change and whosoever undertakes the ritual becomes a god so you don't summon a man named the doctor (laughs) (laughs) no you just get a sonic screwdriver (laughs) did gorak mention anything about where the others were located no but the guy in the mail room tells me he's got the other four gorak's got the other four Yes, and they they have to be aligned in a very particular way. Um where it's it's good that that we have this one because if Gorak was able to get this placed into a specific location that matched up with the others, it could definitely be a problem. Craig looks around the lagoon and just like waves his hand in the general vicinity. He's like do you mean a space like this? Well, you know, yeah, as long as it could be anywhere, as long as it's just, uh, you know, with the, the proper ley lines between the, the different hands. Kyle, are there ley lines if they were to look around? I'm not sure if we'd be able to tell. I was thinking, like, physical lines they had set up. Okay. 
Maria, there's no executive assistant job for you if the boss literally ends the world. Mm. There's no career advancement opportunities. There's nothing. And benefits? Not even a thing anymore. See, my understanding is that this artifact can allow us to end the world or or begin it or or change it and whoever is at the center of the formation performing the ritual will be able to set those things granting themselves great power so i kind of want to figure out where that might be this might be one of those like you know right time right place kind of situations to to get a shortcut to some unimaginable power Craig looks at the camera again. (laughs) (laughs) Maria, I'm not telling you this so you can be CEO of the freaking world. (laughs) I don't know what your plans are for promotions, but only one person gets to do this. I'm kind of wondering why I even told you this. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. You can tell me more. Like, how do I contact a... Gorak. I, I, if I can find out where this ritual space is, might be able to, to intervene or, or I guess stop it if, if that's what you're wanting to do. Gorak thought I was all a part of this and said to me as knowingly as if I was in on the joke that I was supposed to take this to the lagoon. So I'm pretty sure we're already where it's supposed to be. Oh, and I'm guessing there's been enough time to arrange the four other Hands of TARDIS in the proper configuration. (sighs) So we probably don't have much time. (laughs) I just want to cut in that this is like the point where like the characters realize that someone has been standing there for a really long time. (laughs) And the Susan is there, just sort of like several mouths agape. Listening to all of pottery this. has fallen and shattered on the ground. Yeah, and then the Susan says, "Whatever's happening, no one is summoning some sort of doomsday in my new living room." That's the spirit we need right now. Well, if you want to prevent it, the easiest thing to do would be to r- remove this statuette from the lagoon. As long as it's not in the lagoon, then they won't be able to begin the ritual. I'm just going to tell you that the Susan only has two in intelligence and a negative four modifier. Uh, in case <laughs> anyone at home is not familiar with Hydras. <laughs> but anyway. I think this, this Hydra is smarter than the average Hydra because we have the main head in charge. And one of the reasons why it has such a low intelligence is because the heads are always competing with each other. Whereas this one has strictly dominated the other ones. Yeah, so it probably comes out to like a... like. Anyway, a what would you like neutral. to make for your insight check? Okay. What are you making an insight check on? To see if there are other statues that match that other one around. Without even rolling, you've definitely not seen any of these other statues okay. anywhere else. The Susan disheartedly puts her dice back on the table. No. Uh. <laughs> There's no statues, but we're supposed to be at the lagoon. Craig's looking around. He's like, do, it. do you think the band is in on this? You could go over to them and find out. I would not put it past them that they're somehow involved. Why did they want everyone here? same time that the Hand of Teridus is supposed to be here at the same time. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Is it possible that 
the people that are going to be here are supposed to be used as sacrifice to bring about the end of the world or something. I mean, that's basically where every trashy fantasy novel goes, but ah, pff, I didn't study this sort of thing. Hey, they're not trashy. <laughs> <laughs> Not the point right now, this season. Not the point. <laughs> Who goes over to talk to the band? I hate to interrupt this this fascinating conversation, but uh, if we do want to disrupt the ritual, someone should probably take this statue to another room. Craig, you were the one carrying it. Do you have another place you can put it? Someplace safe? I mean, my apartment just got raided by adventurers. I don't really... I don't know. Two quick questions. Number one, what if we accidentally drop it and it breaks? Could that be worse? I don't... <laughs> all right, all right. Another idea. We bring it back to my old apartment. And now I want a third idea of a level, you know, a two intellect hydra. How about I eat it? <laughs> yes! <laughs> 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 it always comes back to eating something unedible yes. with me. That's so wild it can work. <laughs> Here, check this out. And he hands you a joint. And then he, like, pinches the end of it. And because he's literally a fire creature, he just, like, lights it. Yeah. But the Susan is holding a joint. No, seriously. It'll make eating that thing really easy. <laughs> I haven't done this. I haven't had Mary Jane in a really, really long time. <laughs> Everyone realizes now that you have, that the Susan will now puff, puff, pass six times before anybody else re- reaches it. <laughs> but the Susan holds things with its mouth most of the yep. time, so there was already the joint as it was lit up in one of the mouths. If you don't want it, fine, but maybe you should chow down. Um, I think this is when one of the new heads grabs the hand and tries to swallow it whole. All right. As you pull the hand towards you, it locks into place. Uh, You know how you were asking if you could see ley lines before? Well, I mean, now you can. As uh, you see the light of these ley lines burst into glowing radiance, it works by all of the fluorescent lights flickering down the row above the lagoon because this is of course still an office so all of the lighting above flickers just like it did in front of gruel's office before all of the lights flicker the lines of the ley lines abruptly shine into existence and the hand itself locks into place in the jaw of the hydra the only way to eat it now would literally be to swallow walk over it. And then, of course, it would still be where it is going to be. It would just be also inside of you. See, I don't know if that's going to stop Ursula. <laughs> so it's like transfixed in place? Yes, it is literally hanging in space. So it's kind of like how immovable rods work. Yeah. Yes. Should I roll to see if Oh God, Ursula still like gets it inside but it would be like in her neck this would be an active choice on your part okay so ursula definitely has tried to swallow it so now imagine this head with like a snake head with 
this long neck. And obviously, further down, they all join together into the Hydra body. But think, like, a little bit further past, like, what would one would consider the neck of the snake, there is now this hand-shaped blob inside of Ursula's, like, throat. And it's just kind of sitting there. Yep, and Urs- Ursula is now choking on it. So you can now walk your body forward to get this hand into your stomach, or you can disgorge it by backing up. I just imagine the head head being like, Ursula, drop it. And then it- Ursula kind of like backs up and it goes like, <coughs> and instead of it dropping out, it's more like she herks backward. And then just kind of has, like, this dumb look on her face with, like, a tongue sticking out, kind of like... Yeah, a puppy that has just vomited up the phone that it ate. Absolutely. You can see the red light in the center of the hand is now glowing, pulsing. Well, I think it's a little too late to move it somewhere else. We're boned. And that's when the band starts playing. (laughs) (laughs) We are the Grinning Skulls and we are here to entertain you. And then they start chanting in an otherworldly language. Uh. (laughs) That if anybody kept the Helm of Comprehend language, they would hear the really cool grunge style song. Here we are now. We are just bones and maybe (laughs) ligaments. (laughs) See, when I, like, wrote that name for this band, I was imagining that they would be doing Grin Grimming Ghosts, like, cover, but this works, too. That's the Grinning Skulls. They're a a grunge rock group. Okay. What's our play, guys? I still think that probably the best bet is if we can find Gorak and the central area for the ritual. I know just enough about this that I think I might be able to do the ritual myself if we can get there first. Why would you want to do it at all, Maria? (laughs) No, like I said, you can modulate it to different effects. Like, at this point, the ritual is halfway completed. If it finishes with the wrong person doing it, it could end the world, but... You could begin a new world, or you could just change this one. You can have unlimited power to to reshape the world as you see it. Maria, Maria, you know what you should do? You should get the Countess to come here and give us a cooking demonstration. Oh my god, yes, and she (laughs) owes us, too. We ended up going to her cooking class... But it turned out to just be a pre-recorded illusion. Like It was one of the most disappointing things. <sighs> As this is going on, Craig is in the background, over top of them, staring at the camera. <laughs> Craig, you can see the ley lines stretch out. And based on your tenure, yours and the Susans here at the dungeon office you can tell you kind of vaguely can tell perhaps where the other hands of taradis have been placed strategically looking around you believe that perhaps the change in hero encroachment and infestation and where they've been directed to and hence 
also where they are dying, has also helped to change and skew the ley lines in certain ways because one of them happens to cross through your apartment now. Not that a hand of TARDIS is located there, just that that act and the combat that took place in those locations has manipulated the spiritual vector of this dungeon. For our listeners, imagine that it is a mirror directing a beam of light into a different direction. <laughs> I am assuming that if I look around at these places that I can kind of assume probably where the um, hands of Tyrandus are. Yes. I could probably see maybe a skeleton or three next to each one of them, surreptitiously <laughs> guarding them. Yes, the camera may pan to there, and you come to the realization that the central point is the Lich's office itself. A location you've never been to. Okay, he puts out his hand. We go there, and he points at the uh, boss's office, and we break anything we can find inside of it. Mm, you know, I do understand how this is important, but I don't quite like the idea of messing up the boss's office. <laughs> that seems like something that would... Uh, lead to trouble. I drag my hands across my face and my eyes are like super wide, just staring at Maria. He's not going to be your boss anymore if he ends the world. Now, really quick question, because I know this is important, but and it is pertaining to this. <laughs> if Maria, you want to take over, would you not need to go to the boss's office to get there and do that there. That's true. That is where we need to do the ritual. If if what you're saying is is right, Craig kind of looks at the Susan. That's a really good idea. And he kind of like hefts his spear. Question is time. I, I just don't know. We just don't have time. This ritual could happen any moment. So I guess you've convinced me. I I will join you in going to the Lich's office, and whatever happens once we'll get there, we'll see. Okay, we're doing this. Okay, we're doing this. Let's go. Sounds good. All right. You come out the door. There are a couple skeletons there as well, and they are just being destroyed by Gruel. And he looks at you, and he says, You're fools, all of you. Do you think you can stand in the Lich's way now? We had time. You brought it here directly. I hate you. He just vanishes. Well, that was rude. <laughs> How are we supposed to know what we're supposed to do if we aren't given direction? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've only got one direction now, considering Gruel just left the building. It was nice of him to take care of this uh, guard detail first. I'm going to just poke my head in and, and see what's going on. And I go up to the office door and I give, like, the quietest little excuse of a knock that, like, makes no noise whatsoever. And then I just open the door slightly. The door is, of course, no. locked. Yes. Okay. Well, then I knock louder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no one responds to the knocking of the lich's door. Well, I guess we tried. <laughs> Maria, if you're gonna learn anything, you have to learn persistence. And the Susan is how does one bite a door? <laughs> I only I only have bite. 
I only have bike because Craig <laughs> just kind of lets out an exasperated sigh. Wait, it's is like, it a wooden door? You want to destroy the door? Go ahead, you're a Hydra. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can do a strength check, and Smash you have a lot of strength. The door. I, I won't even make you roll if you okay. want to just tell me how you do it. I think that instead of biting it, that the Susan will rear back on her hind legs and just kind of like use her body weight to kind of like just push the door down. Nice. Okay, once the door is down, I, I get to the edge of the wall and peer in. You all look in. The lich is standing in the middle of the room. It is a large room, probably a hundred feet by a hundred feet octagonal. Ley lines trace throughout the room. Can you describe three end of the world ritual things that you would expect to see in a room, one each of you? And we'll add that to the color of what's going on in this room. I would say floating above the lich is a giant hourglass, which has most of the sand in the bottom. And it's just kind of like rotating slightly on its axis so that it's not turning over. It's just kind of like in constant slow motion. Perfect. And you can tell that this is just a projected image. It's not a real thing. It's just part of this uh, this ritual itself. What do you got, Geekers? In the, the Lich's office to the side is this reanimated corpse that is blowing into a bugle, like a trumpeting, calling forth the end of the world as well, this musical <laughs> component. <laughs> and yes, I watched a Metal. movie. On, well, more like Jack Benny, but... <laughs> cool. That's metal. Literally metal. I'm thinking that because he's all a necromancer and stuff, and he's adding his own flair to this thing, they're chanting and they're kind of like performing all of these like arcane gestures and stuff. And so as they're doing that, they're literally like drawing with these like levitating ribbons of blood. Uh, and they're kind of like just swirling all around and like drawing runes with the blood and then they're hanging in place. And then he draw another one, and then the more kind of just sort of swirls around, is just orbiting this whole scene around this office. Just this really sinuous movement of all of these ribbons as he's plucking more blood out of each ribbon and transfixing these runic symbols around. Gruul reappears. Doesn't look like he actually left. Looks like he just went invisible. And he says... You may already know this, under Dark University graduate, but whoever is in that ritual circle at the end of this will be exempt from the ritual's enactment by the Lich. We have to get in there or we're all going to die. And if we defeat the Lich, we get to make the decisions. Well, let me tell you, I have the best idea. <laughs> Hydra, you're really big, right? You're yes. Not a small creature. And yes. this is a door for a normal medium-sized creature. So would you like to shrink down, oh huge monstrosity that you are, to fit through this door since it doesn't I don't think it's too likely that you'd be able to like bash your way in so that you can also engage in this combat? You know, the annoying thing is that the page on D&D Beyond does not tell me how big a hydra is oh well they are like i said a huge monstrosity so 15 by 15 feet <laughs> yeah oh that's fun 
I just imagine, though, that the Lich would have a really large doorway because he's metal, but but can the Hydra shrink down to fit? Well, you don't have any ability to shrink yourself down. I'm asking you if you would like your character to be shrunk down. You're sneaky. Sure. Probably could kind of do it. You mean, will she resist a spell if someone casts it on her? It's not just that. That Gruel says, pledge yourself to me and I will bring you into this fight. What's the fine print on this? <laughs> we don't have time for this. <laughs> all right, all we right. Really don't I have pledge time for this. myself to helping you stop this guy. Cool. Magical shackles appear around all four of your feet, and you are shrunk <sighs> to human normal-sized shape Hydra, and you are now able to enter the fray. You still have all the strength and abilities that you would normally have. You're just a medium-sized creature. This makes me sad, though. It's like the reverse of the end of Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. weird. So, what would you like to do? I guess the Susan will go in and start doing some bites. <laughs> what's uh, What's Maria doing? As soon as Maria got the reminder about needing to be in the circle, and just to clarify, is the circle like the office, or is it like a small area in the center of the office? A small area in the center of the office that holds maybe, I would say it's 30 feet by 30 feet, holds uh, six creatures, give or take. And we see the lich and also this, this animated corpse on a bugle. Yeah. Are, is there anyone else in the room? Well, it's hard to tell. There are all of these spirits of creatures that have died in the room that are getting sucked into the pentagon circle, yeah. pentagram circle that is there in the middle. I think I try to stealthily get into the circle without the lich noticing. <laughs> I would say that if the Susan was still really big, you could kind of like get in behind I'll just suggest that if the Susan is dashing towards the Lich, (laughs) that it's not hard to understand that Maria might have an easier time sneaking over to the side with the Lich distracted potentially by this Hydra making her way in. What are you up to, Peter? There's still office furniture in this office, right? No, it's all been cleared out. Oh, come on. (laughs) It's not even a waste basket. Why did you ask then? Why don't you just tell me what you're doing? (laughs) Okay, well, I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying not to overstep my bounds. As a player, always tell them what you're going to do and then let the DM to tell you, no, you can't do that because it's not there and then make them the bad guy. I'm, I, I always ask. I'm sorry. I ask first. I get one of those stupid wire mesh waste baskets okay and i pick it up and i like really pathetically barbarian roar as i charge the lich with the intent of putting that basket on his head because <laughs> anything i can do to distract him because i don't think we're actually going to be able to beat him that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> so i'm like Okay, let's be fair. You have we have a CR six, a CR five. I don't remember what the Medusa is. CR six and a CR twenty one. There's 
the, the likelihood, I don't even remember the Oni is in here and he's a CR7. So if you'd chosen to fight the Oni, I would definitely have had a massive blowout <laughs> fight where you would have been rolling dice and doing your stuff. So let's uh, let's narrate because rather than rolling dice on things that we'll largely see, so let's see how you're you're initially successful, but in the end futile in your attempts to waylay this lich in their their diabolical plans. The lich turns to you, Salamander, as you charge him with your waste basket. <laughs> And the lich says in a crystal clear British accent, because that's the most yeah. Moriarty-like it can possibly be. Uh, maybe. Sorry, I was hoping it was more like Death's voice in good old uh, Discworld. It tur- turns to you and says something. What is the name of this lich, though? This lich has a powerful sounding name. Who's got an idea for me? Basil. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a, a random bullshit fantasy one, if no one else does. Go for it, please. Anathraxis. Got a, an offer for me, Toby? Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was Basil. Only his friends call him Basil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> John Cleese. This is the Dark Lich and a Thraxis Zeppelin. <laughs> that is a good name. I'm going to make a PC named Anathraxis Zeppelin at some point. Everyone will be like, good, your character's evil. And he'll be like, maybe. <laughs> Anathraxis Zeppelin turns to you, Salamander, and he says, hey there, baby, ain't no way you're getting involved in this. You left us no choice. <laughs> <laughs> Just sidesteps while casting his word and paralyzing touches you. You can make a constitution save and throw the DC is 18 and you're frozen for a minute and you're just stuck there. But what's great, Salamander, is that you're stuck in the middle of the circle right next to the lich. So make your constitution saving throw while we find out exactly what our dear friend Maria the Medusa is doing. How did you do on your stealth check sliding in? Craig Williams, the salamander, charges with the wastebasket, takes that that magical blast full force right in the gut, and as he gets close enough to put that basket on the lich's head, he rolls an 11 and flumps forward into the circle. Oh, you're already right standing next to him with the basket upraised. The paralyzing touch actually freezes you in place, just like locks you up. Maria, how'd you do on your stealth check? Okay, I got a 17. Nice! You totally defeated the Lich's passive perception on that and slunk in. What would you like to do? Now that I am, like, right up in in the ritual area, I'm going to talk and it'll appear like I just appeared out of nowhere and I'm going to say, Good evening, Anathraxis. I am your new assistant. Uh, I am fully trained to assist with this ritual and I am happy to take over some of the minor details for you while you deal with these people. Oh, baby, it's almost done. Sugar darling, yeah, it's, it's fine. If you want to throw some sand, though, from the hourglass into the uh, right quadrant, I could, uh, I could use the help. He slaps your butt. Oh. oh. 
There's some motivation right there. All right. Well, I am going to go over to the hourglass and collect some of the sand and then throw it in his eyes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's pointless, but yes. <laughs> just, just the spite. Uh, <laughs> just uh, doing everything. He looks so shocked <laughs> puzzled, uh, like, aren't you my assistant? <laughs> And, says. and in that moment when he's shocked and looking up at me is when I try to use my petrifying gaze. Absolutely. But he is immune to petrification, so. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> he's a witch. Um, and what is the Hydra doing? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at my things. I mean, I can't hold my breath. What? What is the point of holding your breath for an hour in this situation? There's none. Yeah. What is your Hydra good at doing? Hiding! That's it! So what is the Hydra going to do the thing you're good at doing, hiding, Hydra? Hiding! I, can I make jokes? Oh, okay. I, I don't know if you're being serious about holding your breath or not as you're trying to figure out your action. What would you like to do, Hydra? The Susan is incensed to have seen this workplace sexual assault happen in right in front of their 12 eyes, especially on a dear friend, in a chorus of voices, except for Samantha, because her voice is still messed up from uh, trying to swallow that thing. They yell, no! And <laughs> they all start biting at him how many hit like you just describe for me what they do and how 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 quickly they try to grab the the lich who's been blinded by the medusa they keep on going in and like trying to tear like him apart mm -hmm. i'm imagining this lich is a skeleton because yeah i just keep on imagining that he looks like the horned king so one head is trying to go in there for some ribs some one head is trying to go in and snatch off some of the ulnas. Phalanges are the hand bones. One's going in for the kneecap. You know, it's like you're trying to play the hip bones connected to the thigh bone. And it's like they all decided, I'm going to take this part. And each one of those mouths in. bites into the lich, tearing away and forcibly trying to rip parts of the lich away. And every time a bite happens, the Hydra herself, the Susan, takes half of the damage that she rends upon the lich. As the lich has tied your life force to his own, and all of the damage that you're rending is meted out unto you as well, in half form. The Oni flies in out of invisibility, and it tries to attack, and is eviscerated with a look by the lich. The frightening gaze that the lich casts upon him drives the Oni gruel to his knees. He tears his own eyes from his face, and he flees the dungeon. Anathraxis Zeppelin says, y'all ready for the end of the world, baby? To the Medusa. That's what we're here for. <laughs> but you do need to go back to your sexual harassment training. This was clearly <laughs> not in my job description, and I am not going to stand for it. Cool. That's when the last drop of sand falls from the hourglass, and the world goes into scintillating lights. 
The three of you, however, are all inside the circle, the pentagram with the lich. What's even cooler is that the hydra is connected to the lich by way of the energy tethers that the lich has tied to it. The salamander is touching the lich, and there is definitely some sexual chemistry between the lich between the lich and the Medusa. <laughs> mm, not quite sure that's the word I would yeah. use. No, it's definitely not. There is a pending harassment <laughs> charge. Yeah, I just want to point out. That at this point, because of all that damage, a bunch of heads have died and probably regrown. Ooh. Moments like that, like, like even though you're probably dying and regrowing and reforming and whatnot, the world devolves as the lich's will is wrought upon it. Now... I apologize. Normally, this is a three-session arc where the whole bunch of crazy things happen. You get to kind of feel like Gruul is trying to do something. Gorox, you're not too sure who he works with, and you don't really get any engagement with the Lich until the very end. And at this point, the world dies and ends. And this is the end of the adventure. You would have had more time for a bit more of understanding as to potentially what's going on, but we just have an IPM podcast to get this through. And what happens is your characters all die in quotation marks. But that's not the end of the story, because as I said, part of this harbinger of doom, this portents of these hands of, uh, what did I call them? The hands of Teradis. They start things anew. And you awaken on a sandy floor exactly where you were before. But you are in the naked forms of level one human or similar PHB equivalent bodies. Classes according to how you would feel your former NPC monster fit. But you have all of the memories and all of the experience of your previous characters. You're now a Medusa, a Hydra, and a Salamander trapped in a new world. Because you were inside the circle. A new world that is controlled and maintained by the god Anathraxis Zeppelin, to which all worship the only god in existence. And at this point, I would invite the three of you to join me again in a later date and play out the first tale and adventure of these poor begotten individuals <laughs> as they experience the world around them, which I always intended to be a beginning prelude to a long-standing campaign. But that, for me, is the end. So I will turn it over to you for you to awaken in your new forms, describe and tell me what type of personage you are and have a quiet small scene at the very end here as you realize what has been wrought. Uh, I'm just uh, so spongy. Uh, uh, what is... And Craig, human Craig, looks up. Oh no. Susan? Maria? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I I'm here too. Where where did Anathraxis go? And what happened to us? Where we're not snakes. 
This is when there's this pan to the Susan where the Susan's like, I only have one head. <laughs> but it's so cold. Oh no, because guess who's the only one left? Oh dear. It seems that we have a problem right now. Where did the other heads go? Oh no. Which one are you? What's the stupid one again? <laughs> <laughs> I, Nicole? I don't no. Know. <laughs> I don't know which one I am. <laughs> Where? Where are we? And this seems to be a beach. No, you're in the exact same place where you fell before, no. the cathedral of the dungeon. Oh, the sand was from the hourglass. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh. We're uh, still here. Is anyone else? And I'm going to kind of like head out and and kind of like start peering down some of the halls to see if we see anybody. Yeah, and as you start to make your way out, this is a cathedral that is in the sunlight out in the middle of uh, plains. Uh, doesn't seem to be anybody in it, though, and all of the panoply of the cathedral seems to reflect the lich's face in a more godly human sort of coloration and not the undead visage that you looked upon so briefly. There's, it's like there's a statue of, of him, basically, in this cathedral. Absolutely. You guys would notice that what was previously the Susan is trying to count on her fingers letters, <laughs> trying to figure out how many heads there were. Craig, upon seeing the statue, drops to his knees. He says, you bastard. He blew it up. <laughs> he blew up the goddamn world. And I'm going to head back into the cathedral and start looking around for some vestments, clothing, any holy books. And, and I'm, I'm going to say, uh, Craig, don't worry about it that much. We've got a very good in with God. Like, this life is not going to be that bad. And we will end with that. <laughs> nice. 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 I was trying to go for a Planet of the Apes thing. Yes, yours was just as good. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. It uh, was. Uh-huh. I was just kind of stuck there trying to figure out, like, because I was like, oh, now it's Susanna. Because <laughs> I, I don't know how you handled doing five personalities. That was crazy. That was pretty great. <laughs> that was pretty great. So I hope you really enjoyed listening to that wild ride. I'm Peter. I was playing Craig Williams, the salamander, now human. You can find me on Twitter at, at PMGrelly. Um, also, I'm on the awesome Star Wars podcast, Flight Risk, with, of course, our wonderful GM here, Kyle. And, uh, yeah, you should check it out. It's a good time. I had so much fun with this game. If you're interested in seeing some of the other things that I've been up to, you can check out the podcast I work on called Writing Alchemy, or you can find it at writingalchemy.net. You can see some details about my speaking and performing and some of the books that I've written at tobyhillmeyer.com. Or if you want to check out some of the work going on in Washington State, you can look at genderjusticeleague.org and follow up with the work that we're doing there. And I had a wonderful time with you all. <laughs> it's really great. This is Keekers again, also known as Colleen. I played the Susan, who is now the Susanna. And unfortunately... The main head is no longer with us. Oh, dear. 
Anyway, you can find me on Twitter and a lot of other websites as Be a Space Cat. And as I mentioned at the top of this, that I'm part of the Stories of a Broken Sun podcast. You can listen to me there as I play other odd characters. And hopefully sometime in the future, I will be putting out there some more autism advocacy stuff because that's who I am. And I feel like I need to start doing that. But yeah. (laughs) And if you've reached this far, thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the content being released at International Podcast Month. I'm Kyle, and it was my pleasure to run these wonderful players through this adventure. The intro and outro music for all IPM episodes is Morning Dew by Liquid and used under a Creative Commons license. The link is in the show notes. You can support International Podcast Month via coffee or PayPal and by retweeting, sharing, and talking about the event using the IPM 2019 hashtag. Head on over to internationalpodcastmonth.com for the month-long blog and information on the event. International Podcast Month, celebrating creators, sharing listeners.